by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. How many would believe me if I told you this week I went about two doors down over there to Kentucky Fried Chicken and Colonel Sanders himself was running the register? Can I get a show of hands? Who believes me? You're just being nice. Why couldn't that happen? Well, yeah, that's one reason. Colonel Sanders passed away back in 1980, so, yeah, he's been gone a long time. So that's one, that's the main reason that he couldn't have been running the register. But another reason, even if he was alive, would you expect the owner of a major corporation to be running the register? That wouldn't be something you would typically expect. But I know somebody that was dead, but came back to life. And lives forevermore. I know somebody who's alive. He's not just the owner of Kentucky Fried Chicken. He's the owner of the universe. And I know somebody that would be running the register of your life if you would let him. I'm talking about being with you. You see, when Jesus came, I know he had important things to do. He knew he, he was facing the devil. He's got, he's, he came to destroy the works of the devil, big stuff. But yet we see him, we see him walking with us and talking with us and, and living it out with us. We see him going to weddings. We see him going to funerals. We see him at every point in between doing life with us because that's what it's really all about, that God wants to be with us. He wants to be in us. Turn to Psalms 139. If you think I'm telling the truth and not just up here preaching, say amen. Amen. If you've experienced his presence in your life, say amen. amen. Do you hear all those voices? You see, there's 7 billion people on the planet. And we say, how can Santa Claus hit all those houses? He can't. But I'm telling you, someone who can. You heard those voices. They said they have experienced Jesus in their life. Psalms 139.4 says, For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. Knew what you were going to say before you said it. You have hedged me behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? I would add, why would you want to? 
And this was written back in the Old Testament. This was when God was with them. But now that Jesus has come and he has rent the curtain that separated us from the temple, and now he can, he's rent the flesh and made his habitation with us, he can come in into our hearts. How are we going to separate ourselves from somebody that we have made the Lord of our life who now lives in us? That's a good question, isn't it? Today we start a new series, and I'm going to title it, Never Alone. Today's message is entitled, Tending the Garden. So if you're writing on your blank, it would be, Tending the Garden is today's message. A lot of people claim to be Christians these days, but very few have a, a deep, abiding relationship, a real relationship with Jesus. In churches all over America, he's a far-off God. Their prayers go upward like they're trying to get past the ceiling. Many times you just see so-called Christians are Sunday-only people. You know what I mean? They're secular Monday through Saturday. They do what they want, but they give God an hour on Sunday or an hour and a half. We call them carnal Christians. Some of them don't even give them that. So if you're here today, give yourself a big hand. <laughs> you're, you're moving in the right direction. It's like I used to live my life, hide and seek. I'd hide from God when I didn't feel like I was doing good, and I'd only seek him when I needed him because of the trouble I'd gotten myself in. Hide and seek, Christians. But we're not like that. I mean, we've come too far with God. You're here today. You're, you're here with a purpose today. Jeremiah 23, 4 says, Can anyone hide himself in secret places so that I shall not see him, says the Lord? Where are you going to go? Why are you trying to hide from your answer? Why are you trying to hide from your Savior? You know, while we were yet sinners, he died for us. He knew who we were before when, it, when he went on the cross. So why are we trying to hide from him now? He says, do I not feel heaven and the earth, says the Lord? Why are we not tending our garden? Remember, that's the, today's message title, Tending the Garden. Because God's trying to get us back in the garden. Ever since Adam got us kicked out, ever since... They left the garden. God's plan has to been bring us back into the garden where we walked with him in the cool of the day, every day, daily. Now, I know just about every person in here learned the Lord's Prayer at some point. And in the Lord's Prayer, it says, give us this, our daily bread. And we thought, well, yeah, we need something to eat every day. That's a big amen over there. <laughs> Don't say that. There's people fasting here today. That's why most of them are grumpy. You know? <laughs> a lot of grumpy folks here today. You know? But they're putting that flesh under. But Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Man, he's the daily bread he was talking about. That daily walk with him. He is our sustenance. He is everything that we really need, and we don't even know it. 
Acts 17, 27 says his purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him, though he is not far from any of us. For in him we live and move, and the King James says, and have our being. It says it in this New Living Translation, exist. But I think it's more than exist. Have your being. Doesn't that carry more weight? In him you live and move and have your being. Shortly after Jesus was crucified, on that Sunday afternoon, two of the disciples were making their way out of Jerusalem. Now, let's just go back home. They were on the way to Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they're walking along. And they had seen Jesus. They're talking about, man, we saw a dude. He raised the dead. I saw him when he fed those people. I was there, man. I ate some of that fish. That was good. I can't believe we thought he was the Messiah, at least a prophet. Man, he told us all these things, man. Got us excited. Now they done killed him. And they're walking along just talking. And all of a sudden, a stranger walks up beside them. What they don't know, this stranger is Jesus. And God has hidden his, his face from them. And the, and the stranger says, fellas, what are y'all talking about? And they said, well, we're talking about Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said, well, tell me more. And they said, how do you not know about Jesus? They're, tell, they're telling Jesus, how do you not know about Jesus? I mean, I thought everybody knew. How he came into Jerusalem riding on a donkey and everybody was shouting and praising. And then before long they was yelling crucify him and they had hung him on a cross. And they, they put him in a tomb and it's over with. And we thought he was the Messiah. And Jesus says, didn't he tell you that he was going to die but in three days he was going to rise again? They were like, I kind of remember him saying something like that. I wasn't really paying attention. And he began to expound the scriptures to them, all the things that it says about him. And this is just in the Old Testament, so he didn't have the New Testament written yet. He's just telling them all the things the Old Testament says about him. And man, they were so excited. By the time they got to, to Emmaus, they were fixing to turn in, and Jesus made like he was going to continue on. They said, no, no, you got to come in with us. Stay with us. Please stay with us. And so Jesus came in, and they sat down at a table to eat. And it says, Jesus broke that daily bread. And he blessed it. And as he handed it to them, their eyes were opened. And they saw that it was Jesus. Can you imagine how big their eyes got open? <laughs> what the world? It was Jesus, but boom, he's gone. He disappeared before their eyes. You know what they did? Well, I'll tell you later. But Hebrews 13, 5 says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Man, I know you know that scripture. Every Christian I ever met knows that scripture. They tell it to every friend when they're down. When things are going bad, hey, God will never leave us. He's never going to forsake us. That's the promise that we're holding on to, right? But it's almost become like a cliche. Everybody says that. Oh, yeah, God is with us or whatever. 
We tell everybody that. But if that's so, then why are so many of us walking away and heading seven miles in the wrong direction? If we really believe that God is with us, shouldn't our hearts be all excited and saying, come on, Jesus, come with me to my house. I want daily bread. I want more. But so many just walking away. And everybody's eager to tell you what they think they know about God. They're walking along, that dude, man, we thought he was the one. Everybody's got an opinion. But how many people can tell you anything about Jesus from personal experience? Can you? Can you tell people about Jesus because of what he's personally done for you or about some some Bible stories you learned, you know, in Sunday school when you was a kid? Romans 8.14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. What does, as a parent, what do you long for from your children? You want them to be obedient, don't you? It shows they trust you. What you said, you, you're smarter than them, right? I'm trying to help you here. You want them to be obedient. But you also want them to, to, to show you affection. You want them to be affectionate. You want them to appreciate you. You want them to love you. And it breaks your heart when they become teenagers and those hormones are going crazy and they're pushing away and they're wanting their independence. And that's the hardest time. Can I get a witness in here? Has anybody raised a teenager? I got my eye on you. These teenagers. But that's natural. They have to break away and become their own people. God put that in them so that they can begin to show their independence and they can grow up. And so we have to be the bigger person as a parent and allow them to, to learn that. And when they get in their early 20s, they'll come back around if you've been a good parent. And they'll love you again. But isn't that what you want? While you've got them, you want obedience and you want affection. And I say that to say is that's what God wants from us. He's a good, good father. And he knows what's best. And he wants to walk this life out with you. How many things would you have done with your, your teenager if they would have allowed you? Man, you'd have got down there on the football field with them if you could. You wanted to walk it out with them. You wanted, to, you wanted to be at their games. You wanted to spend time with them. Let's change gears here for a minute. There's a man back in the 1600s. He was just an ordinary man. He was a, a cook. And a dishwasher. And his name was Nicholas Herman. And they called him Brother Lawrence. Brother Lawrence, back in the time, I mean, those were like, I don't know if those were the dark ages, but it was kind of, you know, that was back before the Protestant Reformation, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Before the Bible was readily available to in everybody's language and such as we have today. Well, Brother Lawrence, he decided that I want to live every moment with an understanding that God is with me. I want to live every second of every day acknowledging God's presence. And so he wrote, a, he wrote down and he journaled all the things that were going on in his life. And 
and he lived his life the best that he could to, to feel and sense God's nearness and to live in such a way that he never acted like God wasn't watching, like God wasn't with him. He was an amazing man. And, that, and if you read his book, uh, it's called Practicing the Presence of God or The Practice of the Presence of God. He didn't write the book. He wrote his journal. He wasn't interested in being a book writer. He just wrote his journal and his personal experiences with God. But his friends saw such amazing things in his life that they took his journal after his death and they made it a book. Because they thought, hey, somebody else needs to learn how to do what Brother Lawrence has done. And to take the presence of God seriously. We need to all learn to practice the presence of God. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, do it heartily as if unto the Lord and not unto men. And he took that and he, he lived heartily as if unto the Lord. You say, well, how does that apply to me? Well, what do you do? What does your life consist of? Are you a mechanic? Well, turn those wrenches for Jesus. Are you an accountant? Crunch those numbers for Jesus. What do you do? Don't just do it for yourself. Do it for Jesus. And it brings importance to their everyday functions in your life. Brother Lawrence washed dishes for the glory of Jesus. Makes me think of David. If anybody in all of the Old Testament had a personal relationship with, with Jesus. I believe it was David. David, I mean, he wrote most of the Psalms. And you look at the Psalms, and some of them are like, David, I wouldn't have shared that, dude. I'd have kept that to myself. But why did he feel a freedom to write these? See, all David was doing was journaling, just like Brother Lawrence. He's writing down his experiences. He put them into song. He sang them to the Lord. And he was so close with God. And, and in the Psalms, you see the good, the bad, and the ugly. Some of the things he said in the Psalms were probably not even scriptural. He wanted to kill his enemies. God, kill my enemies. That's just the way he felt. We know later Jesus said, pray for your enemies. But David didn't hold back. He expressed his true feelings to God and let God help him work them out. And when we read the Psalms, we identify because why? We're just people. And we understand what this man was going through. And God left them in the, the word, the scripture, the holy scriptures for us to see that we can be that intimate with God. We can tell God our good and our bad and our ugly. And we can lay it out before him. And it's better to lay it out before him than to try to hide from him. Because where shall you go to hide from his presence? He already knows what's on your lips before you say it. He knows the tense and the thoughts within you. So you might as well give it all to God. David invited God into his daily, ordinary life. And what did God say? That's a man after my own heart. He didn't say, well, I can't believe you said those things. David, you're off the list. Because he wrestled with God. You remember last Sunday we talked about Jacob finally wrestling with God? How many of you, when you had a little toddler, you just like to get down on the floor and wrestle? I snuggle wrestled all the time with my kids growing up. Just put my face all in their little belly and plew them, you know, you know whatever. 
I call it pluing them. You're pluing Kiss them all on the face and make them think, they think we're wrestling, you know, and, and they're beating me up, but I'm just snuggling. Sometimes they'll want me good, you know, and I'm like, but that's all right. How do we develop this type of relationship with God? Practice the presence. We see through a glass darkly now. We can't see him, so it's, it's I understand there's challenges. But there's little things that we can do to begin to realize that he is within us. One of the things I do, like, I used to just say, Lord, please bless this food, amen. And I thought just throwing that out there was enough. And it's good. That's a good start. Some of you don't even bless your food. But that would be a good opportunity for you to take a step and say, I'm going to bless my food. Okay? That's acknowledging God's goodness in your life. Okay, but the next step I started saying, okay, I'm not just going to bless my food. I'm going to close my eyes for a moment, and I'm going to try to connect with God in this process. I'm not just going to throw my words up to the ceiling, but I'm going to sense him listening to me. Yeah, yeah, I, I feel you there, God. Now I say it, and I say it to him. God, I thank you for this food. Amen. I don't have to say whole bunch of other stuff. I'm just saying, I am making it real. My prayers are not like the prayers of the pagans who just much speaking, they think God's listening. My prayers, I want, I want to feel a connection. I want to speak to him. I don't, I don't sense my prayers going up to the ceiling anymore. I sense my prayers going down into my heart where he lives. And sometimes I'll just sit quietly. Do like this right here. How many of you can feel your pulse right now? I can feel mine. See, the thing is, we live in such a busy world. Most of our lives, we got a screen going on all the time, a phone. We got noise. We got radios. We got interruptions. We got all these things in this busy world. And if we were to do like that, we would be so anxious, we couldn't even feel our pulse. But God would have you stop. Find you a secret place. Feel your pulse and say, God, thank you that my heart's beating in the inside of me and you've given me another day. I really appreciate you, God. Then you begin to develop an attitude of gratitude that will begin to change your altitude. Thank you, God. I mean... Some people don't approach God maybe because they feel like it's plastic feeling. Well, I say these prayers and I don't think he hears and I tried that and all that. Well, maybe you were just throwing them out there to a far off God. But if you will begin to practice the presence of God and you will get still and quiet. See, he speaks in a still small voice. He will speak back to you. Some of us only know a monologue to God, but God's trying to get a dialogue between us and him. He wants to speak into your life. And he is the word of God. He is the word of eternal life. We all have an inner voice. Before I got saved, 
It'd be, well, I guess I need to get up and go down to the grocery store, or I need to go to the hardware store, I guess I need to get up and shave or something, you know. I'm talking to myself. And you, you may do that too. We all talk to ourselves sometimes, let's be honest. It's not a mental disorder, it's life. We have, to t- we have to talk ourselves into getting out of bed. Come on, you got to get out of bed today. And we're talking to ourselves, you know. We have this inner dialogue, even if we're not saying it out loud. Now, if you're saying it out loud, you know. No, but, but, some, but most time it's an inner dialogue that we have, we're carrying on. And before I got saved, my inner dialogue was with myself. But once I got saved and the spirit of the living God came on the inside of me, And I began to practice the presence of God, and I truly began to believe that he's with me. I couldn't just say, God, get up, we need to do this. I began to say, Lord, how about we do this? What do you think if we do this, God? What do you got to say? Maybe spend a moment (laughs) listening, talking. My inner dialogue changed from by myself to with Jesus. And we're living in a lonely society. I mean, we've got more ways to connect than the world has ever had before all this social media. We're, we, we're reconnecting with people from our past life. <laughs> There's not a past life, just a joke. Okay, but we're reconnecting. And we've got all these folks to talk to, but people are more lonely than they've ever been before. All you got to do is go on Facebook and see the desperation. Please, if you're my friend, if you love me, somebody say hello. Somebody like me. I wonder how many friends that I have if you would answer this. And they're reaching and looking for love in all the wrong places. Those aren't the real people in your life. That is virtual world. And it will never sustain you. And even the real people in your life, they can't sustain you. But there is one who is already on the inside of you once you made Jesus the Lord of your life. And you are never alone. You are never alone. You are never, ever alone. I wrote this. God's internal voice should be our eternal rejoice. God's internal voice should be our eternal rejoice. I mean, we should just rejoice. It's what brings joy to our lives. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. The hope. He is the anchor of my soul. When I know that he is in there, I'm good. Though a thousand may fall at my right, at my, my side and ten thousand at my right hand, it shall not come nigh thee. No matter what happens to me, I'm going to be all right. I belong to Jesus, and he's never leaving me. He's never forsaken me. I'm good. 
Jesus said in John 15, 4, remain in me and I will remain in you. Say remain. Amen. We all think we know what the word remain means, but I wanted to look it up anyway. And I, I, was, I saw this definition. It said continue to exist, especially after other similar or related people or things have ceased to exist. So you continue even after other people have ceased. You stay in Jerusalem even after those other knuckleheads are headed off to Emmaus. God's still small voice should have final say in our life. He said, my sheep know my voice. And the voice of a stranger they'll not follow. But so many of us, we've never acknowledged him and listened to his voice. And we're following the voice of whatever is out there. And it's leading us into all these entrapments. And into all this tangle. Oh, what a tangled web we weave in our lives when we don't listen to the voice of Jesus, who is our guide through this life. Jesus is life. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Live him. Jesus is life. Live him, and your garden will come alive. Jesus is our end, like Van says. He's our means. He's not just the destination, but he is the journey. He's every step of the way. Because he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Amos 3.3 says, how can two walk together unless they agree on the direction? If you're walking with Jesus, you'll begin to agree with his direction for your life. In the garden, you find your calling. Your purpose. And your way. God is... He's waiting in the garden. And the garden is your heart. Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. All the seeds that we're planting in here, they're growing up and they're giving us a harvest we don't want. We're crowding Jesus out. We're grieving the Holy Spirit of God that lives within us. And you know what grieves God the most? Is simply ignoring his existence. I mean, it's not like he hadn't seen, seen sin before. I think he'd rather bear with you through your stuff with you, then you just ignore him. Ignore that he's even in us. How can you be a Sunday-only Christian? Does such a thing exist? Was that God's intention that he would send his son to die in our place and to bleed every drop of his blood on that cross so that we could go to church on Sundays? How shallow. No, you were bought with a price. That precious blood of Jesus. And now you're not your own. 
He is Lord. And he longs to ro- run that cash register of your life. He, wa- he longs to be with you. He wants to walk with you on your road. He wants to break his life and give you a, the peace that you need. He is your daily bread. So what did they do? When Jesus appeared after he broke that bread, and he disappeared, and they got their eyes got big, and they said, did not our hearts burn within us when he talked with us? They were saying, were not our garden just on fire? Did not our hearts burn within us while he was near? You know what they did? They had just walked seven miles. They didn't wait till morning time. They put their shoes back on and they hit the road, Jack. They headed straight back to Jerusalem. They had to get back with Jesus. That's what we need to do. I don't know where you're at in your walk with God. Maybe you've been heading in the wrong direction, and maybe today God is lighting a fire again in your heart. Maybe these words that have been spoken from the Word of God today are, are burning in your heart. Maybe your garden is catching on fire like it should be. But the good news is, He's still chasing you down. He's never left you, and He never will. He's crying out. He's he's teaching you the words of the scriptures. He's he's telling you all the things that were written about him so that it will burn as a fire in your heart so that you will long for him and you will walk it out with him. It's not a far journey. Jesus is within you. And you haven't even begun to live yet until you begin to tend this garden. Tend this garden. Don't let it grow weeds. Don't let it be like tumbleweeds, like you're in San Antonio or somewhere or something. Is that your relationship with Jesus? <laughs> I think of the silliest stuff. Don't I? I, 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 I build up to a big something or another, and then I run it with a... <laughs> But you know what? We're grown folk. You don't need somebody to get get to you emotionally. You don't need somebody to rally you. You need to make a firm decision in your life that what I'm saying is the Word of God and it's true. It ain't about working you up to an emotional state. You don't need somebody, man, to preach to you and lecture you so you can leave and come back next Sunday. You need a life change. We all do. We all need to practice the presence of God. He is real, he is here, and he is for you and not against you. He will never leave you, forsake you. And I, for one, am overwhelmed by that thought that he loves me among all these seven billion. He knows my name. That he is in this little church in the back of nowhere, and his presence is so thick that people are just rejoicing to even walk into these doors. I love him. I love him. I 
folks. It's long for the ride. Oh, what a ride. I read in Isaiah 58 today, it says something about if you'll follow him, you'll ride on the heights of the earth. Let's ride on the heights of the earth. Let's soar above all, all this junk on the wings of the eagles. He's the eagle. Let's, let's ride. <sighs> listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.